Tisha Bader and in the news, the Supreme Court's overturning of Roe v. Wade, ending a woman's constitutional right to an abortion. The 1973 ruling has been upheld for almost 50 years until now. It's reversal causing shockwaves and outrage for some, celebration for others, with opposing viewpoints across the country and across the Jewish community. The Orthodox umbrella organization Agudath Israel, for example, welcomed the reversal, stating that it has long been on record as opposing Roe v. Wade's legalization of abortion on demand. Informed by the teaching of Jewish law that fetal life is entitled to significant protection with termination of pregnancy, authorized only under certain extraordinary circumstances. They wrote, we do not seek to impose our religious beliefs on the broader American society. We are of the view, however, that society through its laws should promote a social ethic that affirms the supreme value of life. The Orthodox Union said it was unable to either mourn or celebrate the reversal. It wrote, we cannot support absolute bans on abortion at any time point in a pregnancy that would not allow access to abortion in life-saving situations. Similarly, we cannot support legislation that does not limit abortion to situations in which medical, including mental health professionals, affirm that carrying the pregnancy to term poses real risk to the life of the mother. Others, including conservative reform and reconstructionist movements and groups like B'nai B'rith International, the American Jewish Committee, reaffirmed their firm support of women's reproductive choice and expressed feelings of sadness over the reversal. And groups like the National Council of Jewish Women, whose CEO Sheila Katz called the reversal an egregious decision a direct violation of both our American values and our Jewish tradition. But what does Jewish law say about abortion? Well, to give us some perspective, an Orthodox perspective is Rabbi Sarah Hurwitz. She is the first Orthodox woman to be publicly ordained and serve in an Orthodox synagogue. She is co-founder and president of Maharat, the first institution to ordain Orthodox women as clergy and she also serves on the rabbinic staff at the Hebrew Institute of Riverdale. Sarah has written on the issue of abortion in regards to Jewish law, and we are so fortunate to have her joining us here on JBS. Sarah, thank you so very much for taking the time. Thanks, Tisha. Thanks for having me. Thank you. So what does Jewish law say about abortion? And I know that's a difficult question, and it's probably a tricky answer, but what are the things that we know and the interpretations that you feel reverberate for you, for the Orthodox community and for Judaism in general? So it is a complex answer because there are a range of religious opinions. There is no one way to answer this question. As most things with Jewish law, there's a range of opinions and that is true here as well. On one side of the spectrum, um, there are those that say that um, abortion is akin to murder. And uh, on the other side of the spectrum, um, there are those who say that it is possible, um, certainly everybody in the first 40 days of a baby's life, at least on halakhically in Jewish law, seem to say that it is allowed. And there are those who say that it's even allowed up to um, the, the third trimester, which I know is very controversial. 
um, the uh, reasonings behind why abortion may or may not be permissible are actually quite complex. Um, th there are multiple uh, what's called sugyas or, or, or topics within the, the Talmud that deal with the question, um, whether it's about the baby being part of a mother's limb um, or whether you're allowed to, uh, and, and if it's part of a mother's limb and you're not allowed to, to cut off a limb, it's like murdering a baby because the baby internally is part of the mother. Um, and there are those who, who, uh, <clears throat> Um, who say that that a a baby is thought to be a fetus is thought to be um, have a, a soul and and be alive even before it is 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 born. Um, but there's also an idea that you can go to to extremes to save the mother's life, um, certainly if she is in danger. Um, and if the baby is part of, of the mother's limb and you can go to extremes to, to save the mother's life, then it's possible that you uh, might be able to save the mother and abort the child um, uh, you know, at certain parts of her, her pregnancy. So what does that entail? Because you say to save the mother's life or for the welfare of the mother, there seems to be some gray area. What does that mean? Only if she is in physical harm. What if she is in uh, emotional distress? If, for example, if she's in an abusive relationship and having this child will even make things all the more dangerous for her. Um, so the mother's, the, the welfare of the mother is the, the easiest um, way to find a path forward. Um, to allow an abortion. And uh, the truth is, is the welfare of the mother could be expanded to include her physical well-being, her mental well-being, her financial well-being. It could also uh, it be expanded to think about the welfare of the family writ large. Um, and I, I want to say that over the last uh, several years, most postgim, most halachic decisors have actually found a path forward to help families and mothers navigate this difficult decision. And I also wanna say that it's never easy, right? The idea that, that women are, are looking to have abortions, you know, left and right for no good reason, is just not true. The cases that I've encountered, the women who have come to me, both before as they're thinking about it, or even afterwards with that shame and guilt, are all coming because that decision to abort was very difficult. And, um, and I think that, that there's so much shame because there's an assumption that it is, is forbidden according to Jewish law. But I actually, most cases that have been brought to the uh, all levels of postgame from the most orthodox to even, you know, to the most liberal um, realms within orthodoxy have generally found a way for it to help a family um, achieve their final goal of, of, you know, saving the mother's life, whether it's for financial, physical, emotional, or because the fetus itself is not going to be viable and healthy. So finding that path forward, um, which you say so beautifully, means that the right to do to opt for that, to consider that has to exist, which 
is now being taken away in so many states across this country. And, and not only that, I would say that it's 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 going to create a real tension between religious camps and 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 civil law. Um, there's going to be cases where where rabbis are going to allow a family to have an abortion, but they'll be in a state where it won't be allowed, and so there'll be this tension and conflict between between religious leaders and and civil civil laws. It's it's the the separation of church and state is is really important in this country and yet there's been a a sort of a, a breaking down and a completion um, of civil liberties um, because of of the overturning of Roe v Wade and that ties into something you said um, in an op-ed you wrote uh, together with Dov Linzer, who is the president and Rosh Yeshiva of Yeshivat Chovavei Torah Rabbinical School. This was for JTA back in May when there was only the leak about the overturning. And the title of that piece was Overturning Roe Would Be an Unconscionable Infringement on the Religious Freedom of Orthodox Jews. And I think that's what you were referring to just now, that there could be a case where a rabbi says, in your situation, yes, an abortion is allowed and the state they're living in, it's banned. Yeah. Um, and, I, you know, I think we can't even imagine some of the cases that might arise, but I think that the, the Jewish community probably has to think about how to, how to organize and, and support people who are going to need, need help. Um, but I feel even more disturbed by those who don't have the financial ability to go to another state. Um, how are we gonna help women who need to navigate, like I said, these very hard and difficult decisions in order to, to live their lives, to, there's a Jewish concept called of a to exist and to live. And uh, in putting, in, infringing this right for women to, uh, to have an abortion is really impacting uh, the live the healthy love lives of women. Absolutely, and it it is shocking that in so many states where this ban has gone or is going into effect, that even in extreme cases like rape and incest, it would still be banned, um, which is beyond my comprehension. And I would imagine, according to Jewish law and most rabbis, if not all, that in those situations, an abortion would certainly be allowed and with, without any issue. Yeah, I mean, abortion due to trauma is is definitely a, a, a reason for giving a dispensation. Um, and again, I mean, just imagine the, the, the difficult situation. I think that's, that's what I think about like when the family is sitting before me or before a rabbi and they're going through the emotions and this decision of what to do. It is so heartbreaking and heart-wrenching. And sometimes it's, it's actually not a decision. Like the only way to survive physically, emotionally, to, to keep on going is to be able to, to have an abortion. And I, I, I feel devastated that that's being overlooked by our court system. And you do mention a specific case, um, you don't go into great detail, but where one of the times when you had to counsel somebody and you said ultimately, you, you're not even gonna mention what decision this woman made, but the fact that you allowed her to, that 
that option was explored, that she had the right to explore that option, to know that that was available to her was, was everything. Yeah, just uh, knowing that there's support um, during this difficult decision. I mean, what else is our job as rabbis if not to just listen and hold and to provide a, a, a path forward in people's minds and hearts um, and to, to think that people have an assumption that they have no choice or no way to navigate this you know, terrible situation that they might find themselves in is, is really hard to imagine. Absolutely. And the other side of that, as you said, women who do not have access to necessarily travel to another state or to get the care that they need, what could happen to these women that the risk to their lives of finding other ways to cope with this and to figure out what to do on their own or to go somewhere, you know, this sounds like we're back in the 1950s and 60s, but that is a whole nother side of it where you're talking about absolute risk to women's lives because it, if it is banned in the state that they live in. And that doesn't seem to be something that's really being addressed by, um, and there aren't too many, there are few ultra-Orthodox groups that have basically said, we, that have basically welcomed the reversal. And yeah, not I mean, really- I'm very worried about, about, this, about safety and the lives of, of women and the, the sh- more so the shame that's going to be even more embedded in in uh, some of these decisions, um, and I, I have to imagine that in two thousand and twenty two, right, that that the way in which the community is going to organize around helping women um, and and helping family navigate this is different to to nineteen fifty and nineteen sixties because we know what's possible. We know that that it's perfectly responsible and, um, and helpful for families to be able to have access to uh, um, medical care at the highest level. Um, and, and I hope that we're gonna come up with a sort of cohesive strategy to, to help solve this for the, the people who are gonna be finding themselves in these situations. Absolutely, and I, I really appreciate the fact that you are stressing that this is a difficult dilemma. Women don't just decide this on a whim and it's of, it's of no consequence and it's, it's not a, a gut-wrenching decision, but it is a decision uh, that women should have the right to make for themselves. You say something else in the op-ed, which is just so good. I, I honestly just feel like really reading the whole thing out loud, but you say, um, taking away choices about one's pregnancy undermines central values of Jewish law. Can you address that for a moment and explain what you mean by that? Yeah, I, first of all, I, I, I must, you know, give credit to Rabbi Dublinzer as well, who, who really, um, you know, was, was a partner and, and um, driving so much of, of this article. Um, so I, I feel like I must mention him. Um, I, I think that, that um, Jewish, Jewish law allows and provides um, choice. And, um, and I think that the idea that, that Jewish law or, and, and, and civil law in this, in this case shuts down any possibility to uh, try to, you know, emerge from a difficult situation is just not true. I think Jewish law operates from compassion. Um, I said that, you know, it, it's, there's sort of an irony that the 
Hebrew word for compassion is rachamim, and a womb, the Hebrew word for womb is rechem. And I, 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 I love this because I, I have this uh, imagination and thought that God is filled with rachamim, is filled with compassion. And uh, there's a message for us as, as humans to operate in the same way, to, to, um, to look at, at any situation with compassion. And I think ultimately the halachic system is set up to do so, is to operate from a place of compassion and not from shutting down the lives, the lived lives of of people, um, and that that's as our, our you know as rabbis, our, we're conduits of halacha, and we're we're uh, our job. I think is to use law to help people, not to not to hurt. Have you found yourself in in conversations or debates with other people in in the Orthodox world about this issue, and how has that sort of manifested itself? Um. Yeah, I think that it's touchy. I think that that people are afraid to come forward. I, what I'm finding is is there are some people who are afraid to come forward and uh, be as outspoken um, to the idea that halacha allows abortion um, because there is such a long tradition and history of um, of fear and and being you know valuing. Um, life so much that that may even start um, within within the womb, um, but I, I think that that as I said, it's 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 counter actually to so many other Jewish values. So I think in in like Facebook conversations and sort of one on one conversations, there people are are more hesitant to come forward. But I think when you when you're again operating from the fact that halacha is meant to be compassionate and when you're actually fine, when we as rabbis are finding ourselves in positions of looking at women in the eyes and in their faces and um, listening to their stories, whatever it may be at that moment, I, there's really no choice but to figure out how to help them. And, and that's what our halachic system is set up to do. Well, Sarah, I, I so appreciate your perspective um, as an Orthodox rabbi, as a mother yourself, as a woman, and as obviously someone who has so much compassion and empathy, and uh, I appreciate your time, your thought and your perspective, and I uh, look forward to speaking with you again sometime soon. Thank you, it was a pleasure, so nice to meet you, thank you. You as well, thank you so much. Rabbi Sarah Hurwitz is the first Orthodox woman to be publicly ordained and serve in an Orthodox synagogue. She is co-founder and president of Maharat, the first institution to ordain Orthodox women as clergy. And she also serves on the rabbinic staff at the Hebrew Institute of Riverdale. And by the way, we did invite a representative from Agudath Israel to come on JBS for this program to share their viewpoint. While thanking us for the invite, they said at present though, we have decided to let our statement speak for itself and not publicly expand on it. You can always feel free to share your views with us here at JBS. A big thank you to, as always, our director Sloan Copeland, managing director Dara Golub, programming director John McDevitt, technical manager Michael Paley, and to our producer Carol Lilienthal. And thank you for watching In the News. Be well. <laughs>